following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Hello. Um, before we get uh, into the word this morning, um, I want to um, have a um, special time of prayer um, specifically for our veterans. You know we have a lot of uh, folks in our family here who have served in the armed forces. Um, so just want to uh, um, have a prayer uh, for you now. I hope that you all enjoyed your free meals yesterday, but uh, want to uh, pray for you now. So let's pray together. Father God, we are so grateful uh, for this wonderful land that you have given us to live in. And we thank you, Lord, for the millions of men and women who are willing to put their lives on the line to protect the freedom that we enjoy, that's willing to defend Uh, our right to gather together even this morning and worship you in freedom. Uh, We just pray that your blessing would be on our armed services uh, for all of those folks even now uh, whose lives are at risk um, to protect this country and all the citizens here. Father, we ask that uh, you would show yourself to them and you protect them from harm. Uh, Lord, for those who have served, uh, pray that uh, uh, you would bless them for their service. Uh, we thank you and we thank them. Uh, God, we are grateful for this time. We can be together here, here this morning, so we pray that your spirit would be at work as we look at your word, uh, as we listen for your voice. I pray that you would speak to us now, Lord. Interpret your word to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, so when I was a kid, um, when I got home when I was a kid, that's not last week, no. When I get home from school every day, um, I would watch a little cartoon show. Cable was probably the worst thing to ever happen to me. I used to watch TV all the time when I was a kid. Um, but I watch this show every day when I get home from school. Maybe you've heard of it. It's called DuckTales. Yeah. Um, it's been remade recently because apparently there are no more original ideas left. We have to find the old stuff and do it again because it was good then. Anyway... Well, this show um, chronicled the adventures of Donald Duck's rich uncle, Scrooge McDuck, and his three nephews, Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Scrooge McDuck, the richest duck in the world, Uh, and he kept all his money in a money vault in the big building and it was so huge and so full of money that every day he would go into his money vault and swim in the money now that's really all we want in life isn't it not not too much money just enough to swim in that's yeah well 
there are those in the world now that would teach you that if you have faith and give them a little bit of your money, that it will be like a seed and grow into a harvest of health and wealth for you. Um, they, uh, they even have God's address. You can give him your money. It just happens to be the same as theirs. Um, now, of course, this is not true that that's how it works. It doesn't work like that. It is very popular, uh, however. But Paul, in Colossians chapter 2, yes, you heard that right, chapter 2, we're finally out of chapter 1. It's only taken two months. Uh, Colossians chapter 2, Paul describes a kind of prosperity that was foreign to Scrooge McDuck and is potentially foreign to those uh, health and wealth preachers no matter how much money is in their vaults and no matter how good a swimmer they might be. Paul describes a kind of prosperity called soul prosperity. Soul. So let's read that passage and see for ourselves. It's Colossians 2 verses 1 through 5. And that's page 983 in the Pew Bible. We may be in a new chapter, but we're still on the same page. Colossians 2, start of verse 1. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Amen. May God's blessing be on his sword. Well, here we get a glimpse of Paul's heart for the church, or rather the Lord's heart for the church as displayed through the Apostle Paul. Um, Paul struggled for the church, as he says in verse 1, struggle for the church. And it's not past tense when Paul writes it. It says, the struggle I have for you is currently struggling. And that word translated struggle is where we get the word agony. It uh, sounds a lot like that in Greek, but I won't say it to you because I know my English already sound like Greek, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's the word agony. And at first blush... I honestly just attributed this idea for, uh, to Paul's work for the church, his work of, of preaching and teaching and writing letters and prayer. He's struggling, he's working hard. But it goes way beyond that. He was not just working hard for the church in Colossae and Laodicea and for all those who hadn't seen him face to face. He was battling He's battling what, uh, with what he called in 2 Corinthians 7:5, fighting without and fear within. 
I don't know about you, but this happened to me all the time. I mislead myself about the Apostle Paul. I know we've been working on his letters for 47 years or something like that. Uh, so it seemed like I talk about him all the time. And it's very easy to think of Paul as superhuman. Like he's got powers that we just don't. Um, and, and he could just take the punishment because he's Paul. He can, he can take it. We can't, of course. But man, he can because he's got superpowers. He's written over and over about rejoicing in his sufferings. Maybe just, maybe just likes to suffer. That's, maybe that's it. That was funny when I wrote it down. <laughs> but here in verse 1, we see someone very different from that. We don't see a superhero. We don't see a person who enjoys to suffer. We see someone who's agonizing over the church, struggling with those who would destroy it through deception and false teaching. And the fear that the church would not become all that it was meant to be because we didn't know or didn't care about all the Lord has for the church. And what the Lord wants for the church, for His church, as displayed by the words of the Apostle, is what Matthew Henry called soul prosperity. Soul prosperity. He said, soul prosperity is the best prosperity. And what we should be most solicitous about for ourselves and for others. What we should want the most is for souls to prosper. Well, that sounds nice, but what is it? What does soul prosperity look like? Well, in our text here, I see two descriptions of soul prosperity. The first description, soul prosperity, is in verse 2. Paul was struggling uh, in agony, agonizing that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love. Paul's struggle was not that the church would be healthy and wealthy and happy and free of difficulty as our prayers so often reflect. Paul's struggle was that their hearts would be encouraged being knit together in the love. In my opinion, one of the greatest benefits of salvation along with a restored relationship with God our Father through faith in His Son, Jesus, along with the forgiveness of our sin, as you talked about last week, Christ in us, the hope of glory, alongside of all that is the opportunity for intimate communion with the saints, with His church. Now, for those of you who have been around here for a while, I think we're a little bit spoiled this way. We don't know what we're missing. Not having intimate fellowship with the saints. We are spoiled here. And uh, to the praise of His glory, we are spoiled. It's wonderful. It's a great deception that's at work in the world today that Christians don't need the church. The truth is we desperately need each other. You, 
Christian without the church is an oxymoron. Now, I'm not talking about buildings and services and events. I'm talking about true fellowship with other believers in Jesus Christ. We need each other. The church is not a place, it's a people. Like Asgard. There's <laughs> a movie that you haven't seen yet. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't write that down either. (laughs) You don't have to be a nerd to get along with me, but it helps. (laughs) Mm. The word for encourage that Paul used here, um, I will say in Greek, I'll try, is parakaleo. Uh, the word that's the word where we get another word called paraclete you ever hear that word before paraclete do you know what a paraclete is it's like a small goldfinch no no a paraclete is uh, a paracletes <laughs> this is getting out of hand we need, we need to stop and pray for a minute A paraclete is someone who comes alongside. This is another word that is used for the Holy Spirit. It's the one that comes alongside. Jesus said, I sent you another helper. That's a, that's a word he used, a paraclete, to come alongside of you. Encouragement comes when someone comes alongside of us and lifts us up. And that's why we are here together today, is to lift each other up. I would love to think in my flesh that all you need is to come here and hear what I tell you. And as we've already seen, it's not all that helpful. <laughs> but we are here for each other. The conversation that, that happens amongst us outside of these moments is just as important for lifting each other up than, than any sermon ever could be. This is why the Father invented the church. So we don't have to go through this life alone. We don't have to live a life of faith in Christ by ourselves. We are here for each other. True soul prosperity comes from knowing that we are not alone. That we are knit together and brought together into a unit into a symbiotic relationship for God's glory in our good. That is symbiosis. It's two organisms living together for mutual benefit. This is a perfect word for the church. This is what we are for. This is why we are here. And, we recon- and when we recognize the benefit and blessing that is ours and truly embrace it, not only will our hearts be encouraged, But we will not be able to help but try and share that blessing with those that don't know about it yet. I wear this uh, band. It says, I love my wife. And I get a lot of comments about it. And people say, wife, buy that. She making you wear that thing? I said, no, I bought it myself. And says, I love my wife because she's terrific. You should meet her. 
This is exactly what life in a church is like. We start to talk to people about church that don't know the Lord. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I want to talk about this anymore. But you say, you should meet my church. They're wonderful. I think so, anyway. Here, here. All right. Well, the second description of soul prosperity um, that Paul gives, he gets a little more wordy about it. So we look back to verse 2. He says, To reach all the riches of full assurance and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So what else makes for a prosperous soul? Matthew Henry also said, Great knowledge and strong faith make a soul rich. Great knowledge and strong faith make a soul rich. The Lord's desire for His church is that we would reach full assurance of understanding and knowledge of Christ. Well, that's a wordy description for what we call maturity. Maturity. Paul wrote back in chapter 1, because we love Colossians 1 so much, he said back in verse 28, that they proclaim Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, that they may present everyone mature in Christ. That was Paul's goal for the church. That's the Lord's goal for his church, that we would grow in maturity. Now, growth in understanding and knowledge of Christ is, was his goal for the church, not just survival. I think far too often we set our bar pretty low, as long as my, I don't lose my faith in Christ until I die, I'm good. No. No. There's so much more. That's not, that's not soul prosperity. This, you're better off than not have faith in Christ. Absolutely. But there's so much more. So much more to learn and, and, and know and be assured of. Our goal should not just be survival. I hope my faith makes it until I die or Christ comes back. Lame. Lame. That's low. Low target. Paul refers to the riches of full assurance. The wonderful wealth of standing firm in a constant persuasion. Stable in what one believes unshakable what a blessing it is to not vacillate and waver and be tossed to and fro by the waves and, and carried about by every wind of doctrine by human cunning and craftiness in deceitful schemes that's the riches of assurance of understanding of full and clear perception of the truth according to Ephesians 4.14. Is that, does that sound a little bit more like what you want your faith to be like? It's a little bit more than survival, isn't it? When someone comes along and tries to sell you something and you know it's not a good thing for you, you can say, that's garbage. I don't want that. 
no snake oil salesman can come and make your faith swerve because you know the truth. That sounds like a better goal than just surviving. That's what understanding truly is. A full and complete perception of the truth. A well-settled judgment of the truth of the gospel. When that is truly settled in one's mind, the soul prospers. We know that we know what we know. And it's unshakable. But there are riches beyond just knowing the truth. There is great depth to that truth. But there are also great riches in knowing the truth. Truth with a capital T. That's the person. God's mystery, which is Christ Jesus, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. The treasures are not hidden from us. They're hidden for us. Set aside for us. There is no secret wisdom to be found anywhere else. Do you want to be wise? Do you want to have knowledge? Seek knowledge and wisdom in Christ. Knowledge is the comprehension of truth. A prudent judgment. And wisdom is the application of that truth or prudent action. No amount of transcendental meditation or soul-searching or mountain-climbing or guru-finding can give you the wisdom and knowledge that Christ can. All of that truth, all of that knowledge, all of that wisdom is not attained in some secret manner. It is through the slow and steady drip studying God's word communing with his author every day and fellowshipping with his children there's no mystery to it it just takes discipline and that's a dirty word isn't it people who are wealthy I don't speak from experience here People who are wealthy generally think and act differently from those who are poor. Just as those whose souls are truly prosperous think and act differently from those whose souls are destitute. But it's not automatic. It takes practice. Paul's desire for the church was that we would embrace the discipline necessary for us to grow spiritually. To truly be stable and confident in our faith. And that we would truly comprehend the truth and apply it to everyday living. So that, as it says in verse 4, no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Is it your goal to not be deluded by plausible arguments? Maybe it wasn't until today. <laughs> or maybe you didn't put it that way before. But we, does anybody here want your faith to waver? I want to be deceived by the next snake oil salesman that comes through town. 
Nobody signs up for that. But maybe we still act that way, willing to be deceived. Mm. There have been and always will be false teachers, people trying to gather followers, saying what people want to hear in order to garner influence. You can't see them every November, uh, usually. But it's not just them in the church as well. The hope was that the church would not be taken in by false teachers. And the only way to do that is to know the truth from the lies. That we would trust the word of God and not the word of man. And that we would worship the creator and not the creator. A wise pastor once said in his sermon, I'll give you the scripture reference that I preach from so that you can read it yourself and see if I'm right. And if I'm wrong, please tell me. So I say the same to you. Colossians chapter 2, verse 1 through 5. Read the whole book in context. Read the whole Bible. And then come and talk to me. <laughs> no, not really. See, I just, well, yeah, really. Read the whole book. Take a breath. Get off track. I don't want you to take my word for this. But take a God's word for this. Hmm. Our hope is that we'd not be taken in by falsehood because we know the truth. And it's only possible when our souls are truly prosperous. And our souls are only prosperous when we are saved by faith in the Son of God and filled to the full measure of the truth of God, His Word, and surrounded by the fellowship of the people of God, His church. This is a simple, simple design. It really is. That way we don't have to call anybody and say, Hey, uh, what do I believe about this? This thing or that thing? You can't know for yourself. Great faith in a great God and great knowledge of our great Savior and great fellowship with a great church makes us so rich. Set in good order and firm in this trust in Christ. That's a good goal, isn't it? Let's make it our goal. Prosperity of soul is the best prosperity. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we are so blessed to be your children. You have given us such a simple formula for soul prosperity. But we admit, Lord, that we need your help for the discipline to attain it. We need help to be driven to your word, to understand what we read. In those times when we think we are all alone, Lord, Help us find a way out of that feeling. Maybe just bump into somebody in a store or get a phone call. Or maybe you can put someone on our hearts to call and check in on, stay connected to. Lord, we're so grateful for your word. We pray that you would drive us to it, that we'd know you better, that we wouldn't just see the words, but we would see the word 
the Lord Jesus at work and alive in our hearts, in the world, and in your church. God, we are so grateful. I pray, Father, that we as a family would have prosperous souls according to your definition in other worlds. We love you, Lord, and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.